Hi, Isaac. Hi, how's it going? It's going pretty well. It's, uh, I was outside a little bit earlier, as, as you know, listeners don't, because uh, it, it was like 50 degrees out today. Yeah, it was like 45 up here. So I thought I'd take advantage of it, but it turns out it was only 50 degrees in the sun, and <laughs> not in the sun, it was just cold and windy, so I'm back inside. You're listening to Ketchup Cast, the podcast where, believe it or not, we do not discuss condiments. I, I didn't realize town meeting day was a Vermont holiday. Uh, it's a it's a holiday for the college. It's not. I, well, actually, yeah, it is a Vermont holiday. But, yeah. My sister has off today too. Yep. 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 Today is the customary day in which we uh, decide who we sacrifice. We sort of draw straws at, at town hall and... and uh, lottery style. Lottery, yeah, exactly. And, and somebody... It's a true story, as a matter of fact, based off of town of meeting course. day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, somebody gets uh, strapped to uh, to the post in the center of town and the, the crows come and pick their eyeballs out. It's a noble, noble duty. You know, somebody's got to do it. And you weren't... You didn't draw the short... The short straw? No, not this year. Not this year. No. There's still hope for me yet. So you made it. I mean, you survived. That's four years of, of not getting sacrificed. Yeah, right? Yeah. Something we all strive for. For sure. It's it's weird that they make the college students do it, too, you know? You would think they wouldn't. Well, it's because but... it's, it's the young, sort of the young blood, young flesh kind of thing. The crows are more attracted to it. Yeah, that's probably true. Because, like, I mean, you think of, like, an old person. They're, like, what? you know, gross and, and have diseases and stuff. My many years of studying crow's diet, so that's one of the most important things I learned is they prefer youthful carrion. It's to ward them off of our crops, really, and then, then, you, then your corpse becomes a human scarecrow in, in all of town and, and scares away the, the crows, so, it, you know, it, it would make sense. Yeah. What's it actually? Like, what's the actual purpose of town meeting day? Um, it's to vote on... on like, not not only like the gen, general election and like uh, like Super Tuesday stuff, mm-hmm. but also like town, like school board stuff, and you know, f- I don't know, fire department budgets, and you know, just like the usual town stuff. Do you also? I mean, is it also the primary? Like, did you vote for for a candidate? Um, I did not because I filled out an absentee uh, ballot, yes. and you can only vote in one. Yeah, and you can only vote in the town things if you're a town resident, which I tech like. I mean, yes, I guess I am a town resident, but I, technically, I'm I'm not right. eligible to vote in in the town elections, like for town mayor or, or town highway budget or whatever. Um. But still interesting, nonetheless. I am registered to vote here in Ohio, uh, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's when 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 are there when are your primaries? Uh, during I think two weeks from now. So when I'm on spring break. So I actually I, I got an absentee ballot for college, which was kind of interesting. But I'm almost afraid to fill it out because so many people are dropping out of the race. Like, is it is it too risky to, to pick a candidate and then suddenly they'll drop out? Yeah. It's tricky. Because my ballot, it's, it's sitting behind me somewhere. It's still got Buttigieg. It's got Klobuchar. It's got Cory Booker, actually, because they made it a long time ago. Anyway. Cory yeah, Booker. Yeah, so that's how old of a ballot it is. It's, Haven't heard his yeah, name he in a while. Out. God, it was forever ago. I don't know why he's on the ballot. 
Well, there was this big stink last year um, because Denison students can vote in Granville's elections, so on, on tax levies and stuff. And this the school tax passed, basically, like, you know, increased taxes to benefit the schools. And there was this group of Granville residents who lost their minds and, like, tried to accuse students of voter fraud because they're not residents and, like, like try to invalidate everyone's ballots, but there's no way to tell who cast what ballot, and also we do qualify as residents according to Ohio law. It worked out, but it was, it was a lot during the time. Students were pretty angry. Things are a lot, a lot quieter up here. They had donuts today. That sounds lovely. What, what kind of donuts? Yeah, it was good. Um, a whole selection, you know, like a whole bunch of different ones. Oh, I go for a donut right now. There's nowhere good around me to get donuts. No, that's not a Midwestern thing. It is a Midwestern thing, but the best donuts are like a ten-minute car ride away. It's the, it's oh god, you walk up to this store. And they've got a sticker on their door, and it says, Protected by Second Amendment Security. And it's always a little frightening to walk in. It was interesting in Peru, where in front of every bank, there was an armed security guard. And, like, you know, you'd just be walking down the street, and there'd be, like, a police officer with a machine gun. And you'd be like, yep, all right, that, that's how it is. Shit, that's, I mean, I guess you'd get used to it. Yeah, the one dude didn't like that I was wearing a hat. I didn't argue with him, because he had a gun, yeah, good so choice. I took the hat off. Yeah. What do you think, I mean... Do you have any idea why he minded a hat? Uh, because I, I walked into a building with it on. And he, th- I mean, he, I didn't threaten you, but like he, he gave you shit for that. No, no, like like we were going into the bank to like exchange money, and and I kept my baseball cap on, and he like came up to me and was like, like motioned to, for me to remove my hat. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. Though. Even though he didn't motion for another person in our group to remove their hat but uh, whatever i'm not i'm not gonna point that out but he just um, didn't like your hat maybe i mean what what baseball hat were you wearing no it was it was a it was a pretty nondescript hat but um no i think it's just a respect thing i think it's like you know you you remove your hat when you enter a, a formal place of business but um anyways anyways I need to wear hats when I enter public buildings most of the time because I don't. My hair gets really gross really easy. I don't know if that's a. If that's a me thing or if it's just like. I'll tell you this: you're probably using too much shampoo. That's what I found. I believe it. I, I. Yeah. It's like kind of paradoxical, but like the more you use shampoo, the more your hair like. Like puts off more oils, and then like it just at some point it just like becomes out of control so if you like don't use shampoo for a while like i did on the field semesters your hair kind of like balances out to this like even amount of oil and of like like i don't know grossness that's like manageable but not like terrible and if you like wash it with like hot water it turns out pretty okay like the second you use shampoo, it'll just like go crazy and produce a whole bunch of oil again, and then your hair is like gross. But there's got to be like an interim period where, it, like, when you don't use shampoo, it just is gross and greasy for a while. You just sort of have to get over it. It's like when you're growing a beard, you know, the in between full beard and clean shaven face is like gross pubes on your face. Yeah. So yeah. You'll probably have a similar to that experience. Where you've got like nasty hair, but once that week's over, it's that's like the good. The sweet spot? Yeah. I could I could wear a hat for a week and then <laughs> the new the new sheen. You got thicker hair than I do though, so I, I do I have my hair's really thick and it's too long. I need to get it cut, but I haven't had time. Results may vary, I don't know. 
I mean, it's worth a shot. I think I'll wait, and maybe that'll be a this summer kind of thing when I'm in the mountains and no one's going to care. Yeah, that's a good time to experiment with it. I'm thinking of getting a mullet for a commencement. Yeah? Yeah, I think it would be, like, a funny thing to do. Just for commencement, though? Like, you'd, you'd unmullet yourself afterward, or do you think that's, like, a permanent Isaac look? Well, it's kind of, like, hard to unmullet, like... You either you're gonna like cut the rest of it off eventually. You just have to like you know decide when. Right. Oh, the thought of you with a mullet isn't my favorite. I'll be honest. I I that's kind of the point, really. <laughs> that's fair. I just think it'd be like uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's commencement. Maybe you gotta go for it. I think it'd be fun. It's the last hurrah. Yeah. And I could probably like keep it for the summer. I don't know. My job's kind of laid back. I can't remember the last time. When was the last time anyone had a mullet, though, like in the real world? Well, I'm inspired by Morgan Wallen, who's a country singer. He, he does whiskey glasses, and he also did an amazing cover of Jason Isabel's Cover Me Up, but we can talk about that later. But <laughs> um, he has a mullet for, like, the same reason, I think. He, he In an interview, he was like, every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, I've got a mullet. But then, you know, I, like, have fun with it, and it, like, is an enjoyable part of my day. I was like, wow, that's that's very inspiring. That's very, very inspiring. A little concerning, too, but <laughs> concerning in that I think there's just a stigma and maybe that's and maybe that's my own personal bias getting in the way of, of seeing a mullet as just a hairdo. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a lifestyle, really. And everyone's lifestyles are valid unless they're like cannibals or like, you know, pedophiles, but. Other than that, I think mullet qualifies as a... Reasonable lifestyle decision. I, I respect I respect it. Yeah. I'm wearing Crocs right now, so I guess I can't talk about societal decisions. But. You've been wearing Crocs recently? Well, I, I mean, the play that I'm in right now, uh, my character, I was told... He's, he's, like a, he's an alien trying to fit in on Earth. Um, that was like the, that's like the perfect dad. role for you, I feel like. Right, and he's like a stereotypical dad. So my costume is—I've got this shirt with bananas on it. Uh-huh. So I'm wearing that and like pastel shorts. Nice. And Crocs and socks. So I had to have my mom send my Crocs from home. This honestly uh, sounds like the—don't take offense to this—but this really sounds like the perfect role for you. It's there's very little acting. It's so <laughs> fun. It's just personality coming right out. And the girl playing my daughter, she and I have like developed this actual like almost parental rapport. We're like. Just will bounce off. It's it's so much fun. Well, that's good. So I think Crocs and mullets are sort of equivalent. Is, is the point I'm trying to make? Yeah, yeah. They're they're definitely a lifestyle they're choice. They're scorned, but you know, if you can work them, you can work them. Yeah, and I think I don't know. There's there's something about having to wake up every day and commit to it that I feel like would bring a lot of confidence to my life. Because if you can rock a mullet, there's nothing you can't do. Right. Right. And like. I don't know. You know, there's, like Morgan Wallen says, there's like that second in the morning where you're like, oh, I don't really feel like like wearing this persona today, wearing this much confidence when I have a mullet on the top of my head. But once you, like, commit to it, I feel like it would be, like, a blast. I mean, do you, you, do you think, you like, how much grooming are you going to have to do to make it into a mullet? I mean, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. It's like... And at what point, like... Right before commencement, are you going to mullitify yourself? Or is this going to be like a slow process as you slowly like <laughs> get people used to the idea? Like, you know, half mullet. Or- I mean, I don't...
I don't think doing it the night before would be a smart decision. I think it, like, if I, it should be reversible, right? Like, do it, like, a week before. That way, if I really mess up cutting it, I can go back. I can, like, change it into something else. If I do it the night before and it doesn't look good. You're, I mean, you're you know, stuck with a mullet. No going back at that point. But I feel like you need thicker hair to pull off a mullet. I don't really have that thick of hair. But maybe maybe you'll create like a new style of mullet. A new style. <laughs> a new genre, if you will. <laughs> a new genre, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing it, I think. I don't know for sure if I'm looking forward to seeing it. But Well thanks, thanks. That's uh <laughs> that, that's high praise. I uh, I have a bunch of post-it notes up above my desk of potential topics. Uh, okay. I wrote one down in my phone that it's, I heard it somewhere, either it was a discussion with a friend or it was on like a YouTube video or a podcast I was listening to or something. But the question is, what happens if a werewolf goes to the moon? Goes to the moon? Right, because on Earth, right, as, as, you know, as all werewolves do, it's the full moon that turns them into a werewolf. So if a werewolf lands on the moon, they're not getting the full light of the full moon, right? Because it's, it's not being shown down on them. Do you think they'd turn into a werewolf, or do you think they'd have to go during a full... Like I, I, well, here's what I'm thinking, is, is if, you know, there's, like, the light side of the moon and the dark side of the moon, mm-hmm. also the, the Pink Floyd album, but, like, the... It, it's a sphere, right? So, like, always one half of it is always going to be lit by the sun. Right. And just based on your perspective on Earth is whether it is a full or a half or a quarter or a waning gibbous or whatever you want. Um, so if you're on the light side of the moon, you're like in the daytime of the moon. Just like when we're on the light side of the earth, we're on the daytime of earth. And it's the same way on the, the moon, right? So you can go to the back side of the moon and it's the dark side of the moon that the people on earth never see, but it's nighttime there. And I think that would be... They would not be a werewolf, and then as soon as it turned into daytime, they would be a werewolf because they're on the the light side of the moon, which is half of the sphere, which is a full moon. But that begs the question: What about what is it about moonlight that turns someone from man into into you know wolf? Into werewolf? Yeah, like what? Because you know the full moon turns the werewolf, but what? Like why the full moon? Why is it never just pure moonlight? Why does it, you know, is there something about the way the Earth's atmosphere refracts the moonlight that causes the transformation too? You never hear about these in, you know, in, in the twilight stuff. Uh, yeah, and then I guess a good question would be, what if, what if, uh, how, like, what, traveling there, what would that be like? Right, like if they accidentally like fly through the, the light coming down, are they gonna like transform for a second in the controls? And like bust out of their spacesuit or something? Right, because then they're in trouble. Yeah, that'd be unfortunate. So there's a lot. There's a lot to think about here. That's I a, wish I could remember where this came from. Did this come from uh, Dan? Was Dan the guy that we had on last week? Danny, yeah. I I don't think it was him. This this was a discussion I had somewhere recently. Uh huh. But I don't I don't know where. I don't know why it would have come up. It sounds like something Dan would have suggested. Maybe maybe while I was editing, like we were talking about turning into into. You know what? That's actually where, when I was editing the last episode. That's probably where it came from, actually. 
it was kind of fun. I was listening to that episode in in Peru. It was like taking a little piece of home with me. That's fun. That's one of my favorite. I think that's one of our best episodes. Oh, I, I think it's great. And I could, like, think about episode. sitting in your living room and, like, hanging out. And, yeah, it was good. Did you have a good time for you? You talked about the, the guns and the, the guards. but No, no, yeah. That, that's just, like, a weird side story, really. It, it was a great time. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was really eye-opening. It's kind of like one of those things where, like, international travel kind of falls under the category of, like, like, those that know or have experienced it, like, there's no reason to explain it because other people have experienced it and they understand it, but those that haven't experienced it, there's, like, kind of really no way to explain it, you know? Right. Those it's, that know, there's the no... experiences that really inform the, the feelings. Yeah, so it's it's always a hard thing to describe, and... and I, I've come across that issue in other trips as well, like doing these big long field semesters and people come back and are like, what's your favorite one day of the 80 days that you spent out there? And right, like, like well, how are you supposed to narrow it down? Yeah, how are you supposed to like get your get your whole like uh, experience into a quick sound bite? Um, and just a side story, for, for the commencement, for graduation ceremony, we're supposed to come up with a, how to describe our, like how you want to be introduced to the audience of like, here this person's name and like, over their four years at, <laughs> at <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm making it work for your edit. Over their it's four, right. it's about five seconds to drop in the. Over their four years at, at this institution, you know, they they did this coursework and this was their project and like, you know, you have to like sum up your whole experience here in like two sentences. Which I think is... Which I feel like does it a disservice. Yeah, in a way. But I suppose things that aren't able to be summed up aren't worth doing, I suppose, in, in a certain sense. But anyways, so yeah, I, I've, I've come across that trouble a few times. But um, where was I going with this? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to describe Peru, but... Uh, it was pretty intense, I think. It was it was a lot of, like, travel. I mean, we, we, it took us, like, 24 hours of travel just to get down there, you know, in, in different different airports and buses and, and all that sort of stuff until we finally landed where we are going to be for a few days. So that was, like, you know, a mm -hmm. bureaucratic mess. But it wor worked out, yeah. Actually, I saw this funny thing. It was, like, a survey online about, like, the Corona beer. And it was like, like eight out of ten Americans would not drink Corona beer after, after survey. And then, like a whole bunch of like intellectuals went to it and were like, "Well, that question is a bit misleading because like how many of them already don't drink or like didn't drink yeah. it before?" Like they were just like picking apart this like completely Buzzfeed joke survey about Corona beer, and I thought that was hilarious. Do you like Corona beer? Um, it's like a good summertime beer, I feel like. It's not like... That's how I feel about it, too. You know? Like, I wouldn't go down to the store and buy a six-pack right now. That would I mean, yeah, because it's, like, early March and there's still snow on the ground. But, you know, I'm not going to yuck your young. There's snow here. There's no snow there? No, we've we've had, like, really big snowstorms that have melted the next day several times this semester. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of disappointing. I built a snowman one night, though. That was That was pretty fun. Well, that's cool. And then destroyed it instantly. 
Uh, uh, we, I was given this task to film something that would look cool when played in reverse. Huh. So I had the idea, if we, if we destroy a snowman, then in reverse we're sort of building it uh, Frozen style. Yeah. And it did look cool, huh. but it meant that I had to destroy a snowman. And my friend and I built it, and we made the mistake of naming it. Um, Don't name things they're going to eat. Right, exactly. And so, you know, it was, it was really hard to do, and I, I think it's going to be sort of a, a painful thing that I carry with me for a long time. <laughs> what, uh, a, what a travesty. But I'll, I'll make it somehow. Do you have <laughs> snow up there? A lot oh, yeah. Of snow or? Yeah, I mean, we probably have like a foot on the ground right now. Maybe, maybe two feet in some places. Um, it's been raining the past couple of days. It, it's been in the 40s these past couple of days. Like I said, it's, it's been pretty icky out, raining in 40. But um, the beginning of this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, were just gorgeous. I mean, they were like in the 20s, you know, light wind, and the snow was like powdery. Oh, we got a lot of snow on Thursday and Friday, so the... the uh, and it all got groomed. The, the ski trails got groomed on Saturday and Sunday. So it was just, like, awesome cross-country skiing. I mean, I did, like, 20 miles worth of cross-country skiing on Saturday and Sunday. That's amazing. Yeah, it was just gorgeous. Oh, I, wish, I wish I could do something like that here. Not a lot of skiing areas around here. Yeah, I mean, I, like, hopped out of my front door here at the you house and, like, on skied for 10 miles in a big, giant circle and came back. And it was just a blast. It was awesome. That was on Saturday, and then on Sunday, on, then on Sunday we did a, a a point to point. So we did a shuttle over to uh, sort of like the end of the the ski trails, and then skied back to to campus, um, which where we started is um, a lot higher than than campus. So it was mostly downhill, which was like totally cruiser. It was super fun to just. That sounds awesome. Take it easy, go downhill, and have an awesome afternoon skiing. I went to, uh, there's this, it's sort of a mall. It's like an outdoor shopping complex uh, this weekend, and they have this restaurant there called Melt. Uh, it's a grilled cheese restaurant. Uh, but they have, like, just these, like, desi designers, the wrong word. Gourmet might be a better word, but just these fancy grilled cheese sandwiches, completely customizable, different, different kinds. And so a friend and I went because I've really been craving it. And they have this, it's, it's deep fried mac and cheese on, on the sandwich with just like tons of cheese. And this might be over dramatic, but I think it's the best thing I've eaten in 2020. In 2020. Uh, that's funny. So, so that was my weekend. I didn't ski, but I had grilled cheese. So you well, there you go. There you go. Basically the same amount of fun. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, yeah. It's great. Speaking of which, I have to go to dinner. Um, we talked about doing a split episode. Maybe I'll put a sponsorship in the middle. Yeah, maybe maybe we could. Sponsored by Mac and Cheese. Sponsored episode. Sponsored by Mac and Cheese. Um, yeah, because cause my dinner time is is fairly narrow, and and you have a, a wide a wide evening open in front of you, so we can come back so and go eat. Go eat. And continue our conversation about um, Mac and Cheese and the brew and all this I'm awesome tell you stuff. Some, some camp stories, I think. I think I'm I'm finally gonna tell you my my adventures from last summer you're gonna let some out of the bag yeah i've got i've got three separate stories that i i think are good exciting podcast stories well that sounds yeah, great so, so a little sneak peek for you listeners sneak peek for you isaac there we go enjoy your dinner and i'll talk to you in a bit cool
beer. It was good. What did you have? It was good. Um, it was like a shepherd's pie, but with lamb instead of beef. I don't know what shepherd's pie usually, what meat yeah, it, I don't it know usually is, but... If it's standardized, but... Um, it was lamb. Uh, probably a lamb that I've met at some point. I was going to say, you, you probably know the lamb. In its lifetime. I don't know, I don't remember its name, but, um, I probably have seen that lamb before. Does, That's kind of interesting. Does it ever take a toll on you, thinking about how you, like, you know the... Not, not necessarily. I think, I don't know. I was thinking about it earlier today, actually, because one of my friends had had farm chores, and they had just come up from the farm, and they like kind of smelled like farm. They kind of like smelled like a sheep, and uh, and then I was like eating sheep. We had like like lamb sausage. Oh no. Um, and it was kind of like a a, a weird like. The, just the aromas in in the room were like coming full circle, and it, it was a little much. But, um, yeah, it, it doesn't really bother me too much. I, it you know it's the circle of life, right? Like it's gonna happen. Simba said, "Why well, Simba yeah. say it?" I think the more connected we can be with it, the like better. There's a lot of a lot of people on campus that are are everywhere else in their life. They're a vegetarian. Well, you really can't be. Well, I mean, you can at Sterling. You can be a vegetarian, but um, they, they find that they they're more ethically in tune with where their meat is coming from. That that they're more okay with being a vegetarian with not being a vegetarian on campus because they can, you know, they can have that interaction. Right. Where if you're just like getting beef from no McDonald's, like, from. Yeah, yeah. I just read an article about. Uh, the American meat industry and how sort of slaughterhouses work, like mass, like commercial slaughterhouses, and it's not great. Like ethically, it's it's pretty messed up. Uh, so it it's probably a lot better to have you know to do it on a farm the way you guys do. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty messed up stuff out there. But it tastes pretty good. So. Well, yeah. I just had pizza for dinner, so I didn't. I didn't know the pizza beforehand. Oh no, you didn't know it. No, it's it's uh from Italy. It's a, a non-local, you know. Yeah. Organic. I've probably driven past the farm where it comes from, but and there was this bit. It was funny when I was walking up to the dining hall. It was it was sort of just before sunset, so like everything was really pretty, but there was this huge gray like cloud in the background, like big storm cloud. And you could feel Ominous. the wind start to, like, pick up as the, the low pressure came over. And so, like, so there's a storm coming. So I go to the dining hall and get in line. And I watch. It's, it's like a two-minute storm. And I just watch out the window as this storm just, like, batters the building. And then it's over. But that minute I walk home, I got to see, you know, that post-storm glow. I saw a rainbow silhouetted in the sun sunset, which was actually, like, incredible. I tried to get a photo of it, but... My phone didn't really do it justice. So that's my that's my dinner story. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of fun doing a little interlude, you know, kind of like taking a little break. A little intermission. You know what I found out when I went to dinner? What'd you find out? That it's Tuesday. Did you not know it was Tuesday? I, I totally forgot it was Tuesday. Because like I said, we had off on Monday and we had off today. So like, uh, and there's every night there's a ski race at the, at the, uh, at the center on Tuesday nights. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to go to that ski race on, on Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday. Today. And I, 
And it's Tuesday today, and I totally forgot. I feel like I, I've been sort of struggling to figure out what day of the week it is this whole week, the two days. So maybe there's just something about this Tuesday that's making it unidentifiable. I mean, it, it should be the most identifiable Tuesday of the whole year. Right, it's sort of the, the most super, I would say. Yeah, you know? So that, that kind of caught me off guard. I mean, tomorrow's Wednesday, hump day. Halfway through the week. There we go, we're already anything. halfway over. And you haven't done anything yet this week, class-wise. Um, well, class-wise. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've caught up on a lot of homework, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I should probably do that, too. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all right. Um, but you're right. It is hump day, and... Uh, that's that's very exciting. Week's almost over. It March, is. March is just beginning. Had had leap day. Did you do anything fun for leap day? I guess you went you went skiing. Was leap day a Saturday? Yeah, so you went. Yeah, I did a nice long ski. I kind of got myself into more skiing than I anticipated. Went out for for a long ski. I had I had a a target I was trying to go for. Get on some trails I I never skied before. Um and then on my way back, I was like, I'll take the long way around, you know, like around the lake instead of like uh, across the lake or, or straight back. And then I was like, turned out to be like a 14 mile oh. long ski. Like it was, it was, it was total, but like added on four more miles than I had intended to. Um, but that's okay. That, that, that was fun. Some of the best adventures are unexpected. Right. I mean, it was great. Uh, yeah, it was kind of one of those days where I, like, started off, like, not really knowing how far I was going to go or, like, what direction I was going to head in, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, have a vague idea of where I want to go skiing that day and just head out and do it. Hell yeah. And the conditions were perfect, so it was just, like, no worry of... I took my classic skis that are non-waxable. They're the, the fish scale ones. So it's kind of, nice. like, they work everywhere. They're they're pretty pretty basic, so, like, you know... You don't have to worry about them too much. Are they? Ex- I mean, it's probably saves you money in the long run, but are they an expensive like purchase? See, I get them through the school, through the ski team, and they rent them through the out- through the center. So like, I get, um, I get them for for free. So you're I mooching mean, off I have the to, system. Like, yeah, mooching off the system. But they're pretty nice skis. They're 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 really really good ones. I feel like I'd be really into skiing. I just haven't done it much. I think you'd be so into skiing, man. It's like. Yeah, I think it's great. I don't live in the right... At least here, Ohio's not really... It doesn't get... Not really known for their cross-country skiing. The snow doesn't get wet enough. If if it snows, it's usually pretty fluffy. Well, no, you want fluffy snow, really. Like like I said today, skiing in 40 and raining, like, sucks. But skiing when it's 20 and fluffy is, like, perfect. You don't want, like, packed snow? Well, I mean, you do to some extent, but, but... the closer to zero, the closer to, see, here's the other thing about skiing. When I'm skiing, I think of everything in kilometers and in Celsius. And when I'm running, I think of things in miles and Fahrenheit. But, um, cause that's just the way skiing yeah. works, yeah. I guess. Um, the closer to zero degrees Celsius you get, or 32 degrees Fahrenheit, like right at freezing, the, the snow has some weird properties to it that, the wax doesn't want to stick to it or it sticks too much to it. Your fish scales will catch, but they won't quite catch in the right way because the snow is really slippery because the top layer is melting off constantly. So skiing at like 30 degrees when the snow like, 
like you think of like packing snow, like snowball yeah. snow at 30 degrees, is really tricky. It, it's not really, yeah, it's more complicated than, <laughs> than if you were to ski below 30 degrees, like in the 20s or in the teens. It's like gorgeous. It's perfect. But if you were to, and skiing above 30, like in the 40s and, you know, that, that, that works out okay too. But 30 is sort of um, a dangerous middle area. Yeah, it's like a tricky zone. Because hmm. things are either like freezing or they're or thawing they're or they're like. Yeah. Yeah, right. At That's that true, because 32 is, or, or zero, it's freezing, but because it's also freezing, it's also thawing. It's sort of a, a line. Yeah, you want it either like well above that line or well below that line. But right on the line is weird. I, I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. It's a threshold, not a, not a switch. Maybe when I move back to New York, I'll, I'll get into it. Maybe that's that's my adult hobby is skiing. <laughs> yeah. My quarter life crisis. I'll just get into it. All right. So I promised you camp stories. Yeah, go for it. You had you had a couple on 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 tap. What, what what's going on? Well, I'll t I'll give you. You can decide what order. There's uh, the beach rescue. There's pirate adventures, and there's the paper lantern. Which one of those sounds the most exciting to you to start with? Um. Does the paper lantern start a forest fire? I mean, no, but it's, it's the build-up to it that's exciting. Does it start a house fire? No fires are technically started. Do the pirate adventures actually involve stealing something? No, but it involves a plank. And the beach rescue... Is that one we're going to get sued for? No. Why would we get sued for it? I don't know, because, like, rescue... Anytime rescue's involved, lawyers are involved. Beach... Adventure? It's a tamer way of putting it. Um, let's go with the pirate one. So, at the end of each session at camp, we have uh, like a little all-camp activity, and, and there's a winner, and the winning village head gets to push the losing village head into the lake. It's always very exciting. Everyone watches, loves watching people get pushed fully clothed into the lake. I got pushed into the lake a lot fully clothed this summer. Like, at least twice a week, which maybe is concerning. Maybe isn't. Um, but our, our last session of the summer was pirate-themed uh, Gorum games, they were called. Uh, and we all had a good time. I was, I was cheering in a pirate voice, which hurt my throat a lot. Uh, but, but it ended. Um, I didn't get, I was not chosen to go into the lake or to push anyone in the lake. But the village head who was supposed to get pushed in the lake, she was resisting, so I said, I have a plan. First of all, and I turned to the winning village at, I said, take this plank of wood, put it out on the dock, we're going to walk the plank. Because, like, you have to. You have to walk the plank, because it's hard. Uh, and so I, I picked up a plastic sword and walked up to the village head who didn't want to get pushed in the lake. Pointed my sword at the, the village head, and I said, Arr, walk, ye be walking the plank, or some piratey thing. And she said, I am not going down without a fight. Uh, and we had the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack blasting over the loudspeakers in camp. So the two of us fought down the dock with swords, like, jumping and spinning as the Pirates of the Caribbean theme played. And the kids are cheering and like we're, we're doing fancy footwork and, and finally I sort of forced her onto the plank. And she walks it. It's, it's, I mean, it's literally like there's the dock and there's a plank jutting out from it over the lake. So we're forcing people to walk the plank for real. Uh, and so I, I forced her off the plank and I turned around and the winning village had said, oh, not so fast. Poked the sword in my back. So I also had to walk the plank, uh, which achieved sort of a a dream I think I've had since childhood of walking the plank. So that's that's Pirate Adventures. Do you have poster? Do you have do you have uh, poster notes that aren't about camp? I've got 
a quote, and I've got a couple story ideas. And I've also got, well, I mean, those are non-podcast related. What's the quote? Was it the one about the werewolf? No, but that, this is a quote I found in a, a reading I had to do for one of my classes last semester about artists. I don't know who said it, uh, so please don't sue us if you're listening and this is your quote. The artist is an extension of a tool that is engaged in making possible the transition from potentiality to actuality. And I thought that's a really nice um, description of what artists do. You know, they, they take ideas and make them real. It just, usually I don't pay attention when I read, but for some reason that really stood out to me. So I've kept it up as a, a motivator. It hasn't worked. I've been sort of unmotivated all year. But it's a nice thought. Yeah. Doing class readings is always, like, tricky. There's, like, a fine line between, like, how much attention do you want to give to this right. so you can, like, participate in class discussion and, like, how much time you have and, like, how much effort you need to, like, stay awake. And even when it's a really interesting thing that you're reading, it's hard, like, I feel like as college students, we've only got so much energy to give and you can't actually fully commit to anything. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I've been in some classes where there's a lot of reading, but it's also a seminar class, so the discussion is really based off the reading and based off of so experience. The so reading, it's, yeah. So you really have to do the reading, which is awesome. But also, like, chances are with the discussion, we're going to dive down a rabbit hole on, like, one paragraph of the reading and not get to, like, 80% of the rest of it. So you did all this reading, you took all these great notes for the potential for any of those topics to come up. And it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, I think it does because, like, any of them well, could the work have gone down that yeah. rabbit hole. But, like, at the end of the class, you're like, oh, yep. All those, like, two pages of notes I took didn't Never come in handy at all, but they're good for me to, to, to have. Right, and, and the process of, of actively reading is always a good one to sort of be engaged in. Uh, do you, I, I've been reading a lot of, like, actual books in my classes lately. Really? Like, well, what, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> like, I'm reading a George Orwell book right now in one of my classes. You've been doing some book learning? Some book learning. Instead of, like, articles. I mean, we read articles, too, but I find it's easier to read books than articles. They're kind of written in a different format. Right. And I mean, and some articles are easier to read than, than books, but I think in general, you know, when there's a story to follow and it's ongoing and there's characters and stuff, it's a lot more interesting than reading about philosophy. Yeah, totally. What kinds of stuff do you read for class? I mean, is it mostly like articles or is it like journals? Um, it's not actually as much articles because we're not really like a research based college i mean we're we're based on research we're yeah doing things legitimately but um so yeah it's a mixture a lot of the times we'll read like excerpts from books um like a couple chapters right now i'm working my way through um an outdoor program administration book that's pretty dense but yeah it sounds riveting a lot of useful stuff, actually. A lot of stuff I wish I knew, like, when starting out in this industry and having, like... Right, and... Um, yeah. Some, like, background knowledge of, of, you know, like, insurance and risk management and, you know, all these kind of, like, big topics that are always, like, mm-hmm. swirling in the background of everything that we do but aren't necessarily always super well acknowledged by field practitioners, so to say. Um... So it's been pretty fun. It's been giving a lot of context to a lot of things that, that have been happening just, like, in my life as an outdoor educator. So that's kind of fun. That is fun. But you're right. It is pretty, like, 
it, it's pretty didactic and is like, well, this is all the the thing, the requirements you need to meet this standard, and these are all that like, just going through things in a list. So it's pretty, um, yeah. That's super engaging. But you know, and and I found, and maybe maybe you're experiencing this too. But since graduation is this semester, as as we talked about earlier, you know, it's two months away. I feel like yeah. I just can't motivate myself to to care about much anymore academically. I honestly have felt the opposite because last week I did a a um, it's called a senior audit where they go through all the classes that you've taken and they make sure you've like checked every box on your major list and like talked about you know, what, what electives you've taken and like, you know, sort of like make sure you've checked all the boxes before Mm -hmm. you can graduate. And they're like, well, yep, you've done everything you need to do. You just have to like make sure that you pass the classes that you're in right now because you need the credits and you need, you know, this one, two, one or two requirements left. Like, (coughs) like you really got to, you know, failing one of these classes would mean you potentially don't graduate. So that's kind of put the pressure on. Yeah, but it's true. really, <coughs> it's really not as hard of an academic semester. I feel like as last semester is, and my senior project is really, kind of like my, my ball and chain, so to say, this semester. So, so the other classes are less. Like I still have to pass them, but they're not as academically hard. Right. Whereas I'm finding your senior projects sort of taken, everything from you. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, Niagara Falls, New York is calling me. <coughs> you should answer it. It's, it says potential spam on the, the screen, so I don't want to... I still think you should... I don't really want to talk to any pigs, though. Any what? Pigs. It, it said it might be spam. Oh, oh, oh. Right. Assuming spam is made from pigs, and that's a big assume, assumption, since we don't... Spam is... As we know, an unclassifiable substance. Yeah. Spam's pretty good after five days in the backcountry, though, I'll tell you that. I haven't had that experience. Maybe I'll go out into the Ohio wilderness for a couple days and come back grabbing it. There's going to be a a backcountry cooking competition coming up here at school. Um... It's going to be, like, here on campus. It's not going to be, like, actually in the backcountry, but using the same stoves and the same pots and pans and sort of, like, food system that we would in the backcountry. So me and a friend are going to enter that competition and, and win it, so we're pretty excited about that. Do you guys have a menu yet? You know what you're cooking? We're working on it. I, we haven't nailed it down quite yet, but I think the piece de resistance, the, like, the like final, you know, the thing that's going to, like, win over Gordon Ramsay is going to be a personal apple pie baked in a small little like uh, Dutch oven type thing um, with some which is with some uh, cheddar cheese some some good slices of some sharp Vermont cheddar on top of it which is like the most Vermont thing like cheddar cheese and apple pie like go together like America and apple pie Um, in Vermont that that, that's where it's at so I think that's going to be the the piece de resistance. Um, as well, I was thinking of doing some... M- my, my friend's going to do the main dish, I, I think. He, he had a good idea for the main dish. I, I forget what it was, but he was like, I, I got this. 
And I've got a stove that's really good at making hot water. So I think I'm going to crank out the hot beverages and focus on the hot beverages and the, the personal apple pie. And he's going to do the main dish on another stove. And it's going to, we're going to win. It's going to be great. What kind of hot beverages are we talking? Like cider or coffee? Yeah, probably hot cider. Probably some, we have this idea for horchata. For like a, a milk-based horchata, which which doesn't sound quite right. But if you use milk powder, like full-fat milk powder and cinnamon, uh, sort of combined together, and a little bit of peanut butter, it tastes very similar to horchata. Because uh, we don't have like the rice to blend up, like th- that'd right. be a little much. But um, if you kind of like make a concoction like that, plus some butter in there, butter's the key to everything. Oh, but absolutely. Um, that that makes a pretty good hot drink that's both packed with protein as well as some sugar and and uh, yeah. So that that uh, yeah, it's not quite horchata, but it, it but tastes like it. Yeah, that's enough. That sounds really good. Well, good luck. I believe in you guys. Thank you. I was thinking about camp cooking the other day. I, when I went out to get my grilled cheese over the weekend, we went to an REI for a little bit and just you know wandered around. I spent a long time looking at the like coffee stuff because I was thinking about when we went on our backpacking trip a couple years ago. We just made like cowboy coffee, but there's like these French presses that like compress into nothing and, and like these different gravity sort of style of coffee makers and. It's, it's crazy the amount of like, s- like s- I, I don't know why I'm trying to say s gear is the word I'm trying to say tech and like toys that's the word the amount of toys that there are to just for coffee in the backcountry. Totally, totally. There's so many different things. But like it's also, I don't know. I I'm happy to just make cowboy coffee, but yeah, one of my friends that I did the field semester with he. He would use a filter straw, so like a, it's called a bombilla, um, which is used to drink um, mate tea, like a traditional um, loose leaf tea from South America, which we, we drank a lot of in Peru, actually, and I, I um, brought back a, a bombilla and a gourd to, to drink it in here in the States. Um, and what he would do is just throw the grounds in the cup and like pour the hot water in and then drink it through the, the filter straw, through the bombilla. And the grounds wouldn't make it through the bottom of the filter. So it's like huh. that like the most easy, convenient thing that like yeah. easy to clean up, but like yeah. So I think now that I have one, I'll 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 try that method and see how I like it. I am diving headlong into my caffeine addiction, but I'm 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 doing it the best I can. Right, and, and this is almost a, a you know, caffeine addiction for science and, and discovering how this, this coffee works. So I think yeah, if it's for science, it's okay. As our one health teacher said in, in uh, high school, if you're going to be an addict, be the best addict you can be. I think we're both pretty good at it. <laughs> our, our caffeine addiction? Yeah. I, um, How's yours going? Well, I was, I've been buying, because I have like a reusable K-cup, because I've, I've got a Keurig in the room because it's a lot easier than a, to maintain than like a coffee maker, even though the coffee's significantly less good. Um, but it's like a little plastic cup you can fill with grounds instead of having like the the non-recyclable Keurig brand ones. So I buy, yeah, yeah. I buy bags of ground coffee and, and fill that up. Um, and I, I've never really paid attention to how quickly 
I can go through a bag during the right. semester. Last year, it took me almost the whole semester to go through a full, like, 12-ounce bag. Um, but I'm on my second 12-ounce bag of the semester right now uh, that I got about... Wow. I, I got it about two weeks ago. Um, and it's almost, That's intense, It's man. almost empty. Like, I'm, I've probably got a third of the bag left. So I, I, I'm averaging about two and a half weeks per 12-ounce bag of coffee. Wow. Which is way more than I used to drink. Uh, so it might be getting worse. Or I'm just being more productive. I thought you were, like, doing okay with that. I only have, like, two to three cups a day. That's a lot of coffee. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. I, I've i got a travel mug. Here's... Oh, my... Have I told you about this? I'm sure I've complained about this before. But I'm going to do it again. Please. So, like... I've described the coffee setup at, at the school that I go to, where there's, like, a coffee machine and, and the there's, mugs. like, ceramic mugs. These mugs are, you know, slowly disappear throughout the semester. But what people do is it's, like, zero degrees out. It's, like, zero degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. out. And you have, like, I don't know, not a long walk to the classroom building, but, like, you know, a short walk to the classroom building. Right. You know, maybe, like, two or three minutes at the most. And they'll, But it's zero degrees out. And they'll take their ceramic mug and they'll, like, carry it with them to the classroom. Full. First off... Spilling half the coffee on the right, on the point, snow. Why Second off, the coffee's gonna be lukewarm by the time you get there. It 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 just baffles my mind why why more people don't invest in um invest in a travel mug. Like even if it's like a cheap twenty five dollars travel I've mug. Used it, I've used it every day for like two years now. Twenty five bucks. Right, right. You know, I, yeah, that that kind of boggles my mind, but um. And and also if I when I bring my own travel mug, there's no fear of the mugs being missing. It's just like always there. It's always on me. So, although what I have ran into the problem is I'll close my travel mug and I'll put it in my backpack. It's not perfectly sealable. Yeah, it's a it's a dumb mistake. I know. And, And then little drips of coffee will come out, and they'll like stain the paper I have to hand hand in, or they'll like get on the textbook, or like seep into my computer and make my microphone not work when I have to do a podcast or something like that. So yeah, it has its drawbacks. I understand, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but it's, it's better than just carrying a ceramic mug. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't see how, how that could happen. Uh, it, I was, th- I was thinking about how it's interesting. Like hot coffee is really good and I like iced coffee a lot, but lukewarm coffee in between those two extremes is really gross. It's really gross. But somehow the two extremes are like perfect. It's, it's interesting that the middle area is nasty. Yeah. I'll still drink it. Like, if, I've, if I'm drinking out of a, you know, if I'm sitting doing homework and I've got a cup of coffee and it goes lukewarm, I'm still going to finish it because I'm not, because I need my fix. Um, it's going to happen, yeah. I can't let it go to waste because that means I wasted coffee and I can't handle that. Addictions are fine. My, uh, oh, they're great. My Yeti, like, I've got, it didn't come with, I don't know if you can see in the video, it's got like a, a slider top so you can seal it. Uh, but I, I definitely ha- can't see the video. Whatever. But the original lid didn't come with a, like a, you couldn't seal the lid, there was just an opening in it for your mouth. Oh. So if you walked, you'd like, it spilled because you couldn't shut it. So I had to develop, like if I was walking with it, a very specific gait so my upper body didn't move as my legs did and my coffee didn't spill. And it's... It's kind of goofy looking, but I mean, you've got to preserve coffee. That's the most important thing. And I'd be like running down the hill with my arm extended, back straight, 
keeping my coffee. It was it was tragic. Yeah. You got you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Do you have like a, a tall mug? I mean, what's yours look like? It's like a weird travel mug that I I think I got from my dad for like he said he got it free from somewhere. Like I I don't know where this came from. It doesn't have any branding on it at all whatsoever. It's like it kind of taper tapers into like the the like travel size, and the top kind of looks like a ceramic mug with a handle on it, but it's not. It's all plastic, and the lid is kind of has like a tab thing that you slide open to open the the uh, the mouth opening, so to say. I can um, sort of picture but, something like it. Yeah, but it doesn't completely seal. Um, I don't think any, the any other, travel mug does, really. Yeah, the other thing about it, though, is that there's always that little bit of coffee in the bottom, right? Like, you can, you never, can never get, get like, perfectly every drop out of it. What's your solution? I've got a solution, but what's yours? I just include it in the next batch, usually. Oh, okay. Fill up, fill up <laughs> with water, right? So, it, you know... It, it's now in the water. I dump that coffee water in my Keurig, and I've got sort of coffee-infused coffee. Yeah, but then you're, coffee like, square. running into st- stale coffee every, every like, well, it, yeah. I brew so, it fresh every, every morning. Like, that, before I go to bed, the last thing I do is I fill up my K-cup. I, I put the, the cup's worth of water in the machine. I set it, so all I have to do is push the handle down and hit start. So, like, it's, I call it meal prep. Uh, so the first thing I do when I wake up, start the coffee, go brush my teeth, come in, and it's done. Smells like coffee. It's great. Yeah, What's your I mean that, that. So <laughs> it's probably pretty impractical, and and oh, definitely doesn't transfer elsewhere. But what I do is every morning when I go to breakfast, I, I can definitely wait until I get to breakfast around eight or seven thirty to to get my coffee. I'm I'm fine to wake up without it and and do what I got to do. Um, and uh, I go to the dining hall. I get my plate of food, usually first, and then set the plate of food down, and I go up for my coffee, because it's hard to carry a travel mug right. and a plate of food, and like, yeah. you know, doing it in one go is, is impractical. But possible. And then, yeah, impossible even. So I go up and I get my travel mug, and I go into the kitchen, which I'm not really supposed to do, like, it's fine, I just like bop in there real quick. And I take the little sprayer at the uh, at the dishwashing station. And I like spray the inside of the mug, rinse it out really quick, and then go get my coffee. Now I suppose I could do that at the end of finishing my coffee instead of at the beginning of when I want to refill it again. But usually by that time I'm like in class or like right. you know halfway through my day and like you know that that is just impractical at that point. But in the morning I can always like rely on on that time being open and, like, you know, to get in there and, and rinse it out. So you just get rid of it. You don't include it. No. No, it's it's stale. It's gone. Sometimes even moldy. It's terrible. How long is your coffee sitting that it's getting moldy? Um, maybe a couple days at, at, at the most. Yeah, mine's never empty that long. <laughs> I think 12 hours is probably the longest it sits before it gets filled again. Because I have a problem. I sort of picture it there's there's this soap that used to get advertised on a podcast I listened to called Stack Soap I don't think it's a thing anymore but the idea was you would like you'd use it was a bar soap and you'd use it until it was like down to the last nib and then you would get the next bar soap and that that little last nib would fit into the groove 
on the huh. old bar of soap. So you just like each there was like a, a source soap, and that soap never went away. Wow. And that's sort of how it is with my coffee. Like I always, it always comes back. Do you remember this restaurant in the town that we grew up? Uh, where they, it was on the corner. I forget the original name of it. It was on the corner. You're talking about the candles? Yeah, the yeah. candles. Yeah. Where they'd light them and, and just let the wax drip and never clean it. So there were just like these huge. And then they'd just set the next candle on top of the the candle that melted down before it. So it was never ending. My mom hated it. She still talks about how grossed out she was by it. Why are they gross? I think they're so cool. I think they're so cool too. It was like art, but she thought it was like gross and dirty and like germs and stuff. Yeah. Like it's hot wax. Like I don't know. Gonna... I kind of miss it. They've rebranded a few times, and then they've they've done away with the uh, the candles. I think that's a shame. Yeah, it's a different place now. Good drinks, though. I would agree. Their drink menu is very expensive. They have a great drink menu. Yeah. I uh, I have class every Tuesday. It's a three-hour film class, uh, and it's been getting out early every week. So far, just because okay. it's hard to like make a film class actually last three hours. So a bunch of the people in the class and I, we started going to one of the bars after class and just like getting drinks every Tuesday. And it's amazing to just like 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. Sure, let's drink. But the drink menu is not as good as um, that restaurant where we grew up. Yeah. But it's pretty good. I was just thinking, I had a, I had a, sober february for the most part i had one drink in in the whole month of february but it just like happened that way and like february came and went and i was like huh yeah are there that... places to go drinking in the town where you go to college no not really i mean there's like a couple but they're they're like a drive away which of course provides its own issues yeah. um yeah not not really so like what what would, if you were going to go out with friends, where would you go? Like if you, uh, not, not on the town. What's the... We'd have to drive like 20, 30 minutes to a place that's probably only like has one one bar open. One, maybe two. I walk down the hill and there's like six bars. Yeah. But that's all right. I can't talk for much longer. I do have a pain. Yeah, I should, I should probably get going too. Because we got, what, like almost 40 minutes on this clock and 20 minutes on the other one. So yeah, we're doing an hour, hour seven. On my oh camera. total wow that's pretty good it's two different colors too which is kind of nice you can't i realize you can't see um my screen but the the stuff we recorded before dinner is blue and the stuff we recorded after dinner is red and it's kind of a really pretty combo now that we know how to fix all the uh the troubleshooting issues we should be fine yeah as it me. turns out you just turn it off and turn it back on again the secret to everything except people Although you could argue that's what sleeping is. A good night's sleep will fix most things. I've been sleeping. It's funny. I, I slept so well this weekend, and then I woke up on Monday and just was already drained. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about, about me or about school. But, but you had a four-day weekend now. Yeah. A, a rough three-day week ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's already hump day, so we'll get through it. We'll get through it. It was good talking. It was good to yeah, it was good talking, man. Totally, we should we should keep it up. Absolutely. All right. All right buddy. Take care. YouTube.